XL, Charlotte Sports Live. And on Charlotte Sports Live, just one more dress rehearsal for the Carolina Panthers. They've got the Lions in town Saturday. And as we learned today, Carolina has added a new cast member. Of course, here on TSL, we get no dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. He is Gabe McDonald. I'm Mike Lissette. And as always, we are leaving no stone unturned. In other words, don't turn in. We've got an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with QB1, Bryce Young, coming up. Plus, we'll go racing with NASCAR at the Glen. But before that, Mike, we got to get on the latest Panther happenings over on Mint Street. And with that, for more, for more with that, we turn things over to Grace Grill. Well, Panthers head coach Frank Reich has spoken extensively through camp and this preseason about how this team can't be afraid to make mistakes because it's an opportunity to get better. The first two preseason games have definitely exploited some weaknesses, but Reich says that the team is moving in the right direction. I feel like we've made good progress as far as cleaning up details of what it takes to play winning football. Um, you know, but until you get to the regular season, and you, you don't really fully know until you're tested in every way. The Panthers offensive line has been a unit that has been tested and has come under a lot of scrutiny after allowing 14 quarterback hits and seven sacks through the first two preseason games. Taking it very serious, obviously, you know, that's, that's our job in the room is to be protectors and, uh, you know, we haven't been getting that done. So there's definitely a big emphasis in our room and, and Bryce is obviously a guy, you know, we need to take care of. But despite the lack of protection, Bryce Young has shown poise under pressure. He's the same guy, you know, in and, in and out. Um, regardless of the situation, he's, he's a guy that is able to kind of just reset, reset his mind uh, no matter what happened during the play and just refocus guys and um, being able to pop right back up no matter what. Um, some, I, probably one of his biggest strengths. One thing that hasn't been a strength for the Panthers this preseason is communication. Thibodeau with the sack on Young. It was a miscommunication. There was a line call made and thought we heard one thing, two words that sound similar, and two words that sound similar, and in the heat of the battle, uh, we heard the wrong word. However, Frank Reich has not minced his words about using these situations to get better. We've talked about that this whole offseason, this training camp, you know, being under stressful situations makes us grow. It, it brings out the best in us if we approach it the right way, if we learn from our mistakes. So, you know, we have those opportunities in preseason to stress test everything we're doing and to get better from it. So the Panthers have one final preseason game against the Lions. Reich said that they still haven't quite determined a game plan in terms of which starters will play and for how long, but that he anticipates it being similar to what they did in the first two preseason games, which means we will likely see Bryce Young take a couple more snaps. Guys? Appreciate it, Grace. And obviously, Mike, two games in the books. The first game, very uninspiring. That shutout here at the bank, we all want to put that behind us. But last week, we saw a little bit of growth. Just where do you think this Panthers team is right now heading into this third and final preseason game? Because, you know, before you know it, the real bullets are going to start flying. You know, it is funny. We watched that preseason game on Friday. And after that, that game, I think immediately there was this thought, of, well, that was bad. But then upon further reflection, you sort of look at it and you say, well, okay, there, there was progress. Matt Corral did a lot better than what he did in the first game against the Jets. He was a lot more relaxed. It resulted in scores. Their last uh, two of the last, I think, three possessions of the game. That's all well and good. Here's the thing, and what I'm about to say I think is, is blasphemous. <laughs> I almost wish somebody from, like, the Panthers' marketing department got down in on the brass meetings and said, hey, mm -hmm. guys, I get what you're trying to do, and you're trying to be vanilla with this yeah. playbook, but, like, hey, you know, we, we, we want to have a something. good buzz here. Yeah. So you think, like, we could 
throw a few <laughs> passes downfield for touchdowns? Do you think maybe you could show what Bryce Young is yeah. capable of? you think like maybe we could get people excited? This is why I will never be an NFL head coach and why, <laughs> you know, day job, this entertainment field is yeah. much more where I'm, I'm, I'm suited for. But I, I wish there was a little bit some of that. Yeah to just get some hype because right now the stock among this team, not very high. No, not at all. And I think that's one thing I've been wanting to see is them, you know, peel back the layers a little bit. I know you don't want to show too, too much, but you got to get these guys ready for in-game situations because soon you're going to head down to Atlanta. You have two divisional games right off the bat. You don't want to start 0-2 year in division. You'd rather start 1-1, hopefully 2-0. But I think I'd like to see them unravel things a little bit more. But I think we did see a little bit of growth. I think Bryce Young, that one play where he was scrambling, he was aware, he got back up. Didn't complete the pass, but him being able to kind of bounce back from that and still try to make a play down the field, that's what you want to see. But hopefully we see a little bit more coming up this Friday. And, of course, that game coming up, up against the Lions. All right, back to the Panthers and their defense. Rough two games for them as well. They've been banged up and scored on, but now apparently help is on the way. Earlier today, Carolina came to terms with veteran quarterback Troy Hill, a seven-year NFL star. Hill has played a good chunk of his career with the Rams, so he does have ties to Panthers defensive coordinator Rogero Averro, as well as cornerbacks coach Jonathan Cooley. Last year in Los Angeles, Hill played and started in 12 games, had 45 solo tackles and one pick. Well, from the gridiron to the track, while the NFL is in its preseason, NASCAR will soon be in playoff mode. Just two regular season races remain before the Cup Series playoff opener down in Darlington. A whole lot of movement around the cut line with just three open spots left in that top 16. So let's head up to New York to go bowling at the Glen, the last road race of the regular season before heading to Daytona next week to wrap things up. Michael McDowell secured his playoff spot by winning at the Brickyard last week. He won stage one today, but early in stage two, the 34 would be penalized. Look at the replay here. He pits off the lead and would pass through more than three pit stalls on his a way to his more. pit window. <laughs> he would fall off the lead lap and finish later on. Now to a man who definitely needs a win to get into the top 16. Chase Elliott here on stage three. He runs out of fuel coming out of turn seven. Never want to see you know that. how the close nine. I was? That happened to me on the way to work. Either. That actually happened this to me. Cool. That Did actually really? almost happened to me on a night home as well. Luckily, Whoa. I was able to find a gas station. But the number nine, he'd have to get pushed to the pits. Elliott will finish 32nd today. He will certainly need a win next week to get into the playoffs. And another driver in dire need of a victory, Eric Almarola, here on lap 73, also coming out of turn seven. Spins out, but he's able to avoid any contact with the wall or other cars. He would finish 30th this afternoon. And after passing Denny Hamlin in stage three, it's the Charlotte native, William Byron, taking the checkered flag. He ups his win total to five this year and gets his first career win on a road course. And also, Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick also clinched playoff spots as well, leaving just one open spot heading into the regular season finale. We seem to go through that summer slump in July and August, and for some reason we just can't <laughs> quite put the races together. I think it's the, the racetrack itself. And, um, yeah, just came, came this weekend with a good, good mindset, um, you know, focusing on trying to get ready for the postseason. And uh, we've, been, we've had fast cars. We just haven't executed races. But today it was flawless, and uh, just Rudy, everybody, all the spotters. So just thanks, everybody. This is a cool win. All right, so two more spots. We're clinching the playoffs. So let's check out the bubble heading into next week's race at Daytona. Bubba Wallace hanging on in that final spot with a 32-point lead over Ty Gibbs. And they're actually followed by three Chevy drivers in Daniel Suarez, A.J. Allmendinger, and Alex Bowman. Not listed is Chase Elliott, also in a Chevy, who is sitting in the 21st spot, trailing Wallace by 101 points. So obviously Kislowski and Harvey getting those two spots. The cut line right there, I mean, you saw how, saw how tight it was. Yeah. I think heading into Daytona, Bubba Wallace had back-to-back second-place finishes, the 2021 season finale, 
second in the 2022 Daytona 500. I like his chances to hang on to that spot next week. What's a you, Mike? I'm going to go AJ. I know that's kind of a, a bit of a controversial uh, decision there. He hasn't had a win in about two years, but number one, he's coming off a fourth-place finish today. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, he was sixth at Daytona this year. So he's done well there. I think it'll be fun. But this is this is what it's all about yeah. right now. This is the excitement of, of, yeah, you can say the playoff system's a little bit confusing. But yeah. when it comes down to it, and when we're in these situations where we're down to one race and it's when you're in, yeah. and for, it's exciting and for, stuff. And for just one spot, too, it's like, because you, you saw the other two drivers get, get the spots today just to have one race, one spot, another guy, Austin Sendrick, your 2022 Daytona 500 winner, sitting there at 22nd in the standing. So he could creep up in there. And you never want to count out Chase Elliott. He's hungry. We all know, obviously, you know, one of NASCAR's most popular, if not the most popular driver. They probably would like to see him get in the playoffs. He's going to be hungry. Just make sure you don't run out of gas. Yeah. Fella. So. And, and, and by the way, Ty Gibbs also had a good finish today, yeah. fifth. He's in contention, too. So yeah. he's got some momentum going. Yeah, next week's going to be fun. And, of yeah. course, that Southern 500 to start off the playoffs is going to be even better. Well, the Hornets officially have a clean slate. Their schedule released this past week. And there's a big win for Charlotte right at tip-off. We'll show you coming up next. Give us, like, your 30-second elevator speech. Like, who is Bryce Young outside of the Panthers uniform? Plus, get to know Bryce Young up close and personal. Carly Gephardt goes one-on-one -on -one with QB1, and we promise you'll get much more than 30 seconds out of it. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live, we found out the Charlotte Hornets will be featured in only one nationally televised game this upcoming season. Okay, now hold on. That, that, that may not <laughs> seem like a lot, but, but keep in mind they didn't have any appearances on any of the major yep. networks last season. So, We're you can somewhere. say, yeah, this, this is actually progress as we take a look at uh, some of the big games here. The Hornets will be on ESPN Friday, January 12th, and they visit San Antonio in a matchup between the top two picks in this year's draft. Other notable games for Charlotte include the opener, that's Wednesday, October 25th, at the Spectrum Center against the Hawks. Another big one happens about two months later, that's on December 23rd, when the defending champion Nuggets make their first and only appearance at the Spectrum Center this year. FYI, we'll only see LeBron James in the Lakers once. They'll be here February 5th, that's a Monday. Charlotte native Steph Curry won't be in town until the end of the season. The Warriors arrive March 29th. Now, new to this year's 82-game schedule will be the play-in tournament, which, as previously announced, will be played throughout November and early December. Starting November 10th, the Hornets have four group play games. Should the team advance, they'd advance to the knockout round with the hope of eventually making it to Vegas for the championship game December 9th. Now, other notable games here, Gabe, include uh, November 17th. That's Miles Bridges' first eligible game right. that he'll be able to play this season from suspension. That's against uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. This is the thing that I think is going to make the big difference this year in terms of if this team actually has a shot at the right. playoffs, if they're in contention. March 29th, they start a stretch of eight straight home games. That could play a huge factor down the stretch if this team actually does indeed make the postseason. That's big for them, too. I believe that's the longest homestand they've is, had yeah. uh, in franchise history, too. And it's a big thing as well, celebrating the 35th season. So I think there will be a lot of different things as well. But you mentioned that game that Miles Bridges would be back. I want to see how this team is going to look before then. How early does Brandon Miller get into the starting lineup? You know, what are things going to look like? What's going to happen with P.J. Washington and Kelly Oubre? I haven't heard much about their futures here in Charlotte. So I think there's a lot of, obviously, questions. And, you know, the big thing, too, having the national televised game against the Spurs, they're really trying to make this whole Wimby and Brandon Miller thing happen. I don't know if it's going to become much of a robbery. Obviously, they're going to be compared to each other being the top two picks. But we'll just see what happens.
it does indeed happen because last year Charlotte was supposed to be on a yeah. couple of televised games nationally. They wanted that big ball versus ball matchup Correct. with Charlotte and Chicago, but because Lonzo got injured a bunch of times, that never happened, and that's why those games were canceled. So I guess we should put like an asterisk next to this and say, to you know, subject to, to change, I guess is what you could say. And you never know if they yeah. do well, maybe they could get a few more. Hey, flex, yeah. Well, let's move back over to Mint Street. It's a beautiful sight. Bank of America Stadium, of course. The Panthers return home this Friday for their preseason finale. But before that, let's rewind to this past Friday night. Will Kunkel caught up with a new member of the Panthers receivers room right after the final whistle against the Giants. All right, boys, appreciate it. Let's bring in DJ Chark. One catch for 13 yards. My man, what'd you see? Uh, the offense tonight because it wasn't as exciting as we kind of all want, but it's on purpose for a reason. Yeah. What do you see? How do you break it down? Um, you know, I think the first drive uh, didn't last very long, but the second drive we was able to come out, you know, go 20 plays, everybody stay in, you know, not a lot of substitutions, uh, co consistently move the chains uh, at one point. And, you know, we was also helped out by some penalties from the other side, which is good for us, which shows that, you know, we're being composed. It's just at the end, you know, we have to – we was able to stay in field goal range. Um, it was like third and 30, and we was able to make sure we solidify field goal range. But just trying to get in the end zone, you know, that's the next step. How frustrating is it when you get the play call, like the, the play sheet during the week, and you're like, man, we got like 500 plays, but we're calling six of them. Yeah. Just because it's preseason and, and the intent is not to win. We talked about it earlier this week, that the idea is to go out there and get better in order for the regular season to be ready, not to go out here and win games when it doesn't matter. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's tough, but you understand what we're trying to do. Like like I said, the drive there, we uh, moved the ball down the field with the ones. It was pretty much like, two, three of the same plays just consistently doing it. But that's what you really want to see because that means when you have your bread and butter and you're getting these tight games, you can execute the basics. And then as we game plan specifically for teams, we can put people in spots to, you know, take advantage of what we want. But we're not game planning. We're not really watching film of the other team right now. It's really us against us. And then we come out and, you know, see who can execute it the best. I'm tired of defending you guys on Twitter to the fans because they're all freaking out as uh -huh. if you guys are 0-2. You're not. You're 0-0. Zero zero. season hasn't started yet. What is your message to the fans that tweak out over a preseason showing? Um, it's a long season. You know, uh, we haven't even started it yet. Um, you know, we're still <laughs> in the... number one, start the season. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the, in the practice mode. But also, you know, it's a long season and it's uh, we all getting together. There's going to be some ups and some downs. And, you know, we plan on having way more ups and downs, but football is about growing. Uh, you know, we got a lot to learn about ourselves in this process, but, you know, we can rest assured that we're going to come out and we're going to give it all. And when it's all said and done, we're going to be in a good place. You know, at the end of December, January, that's where we want to be. Uh, it doesn't matter how you start if you don't finish strong. So January, December is when we really like, that's when we have to be the best version of us for sure. And you know how he's real, everybody? Because the one time you went to the playoffs, you started the season what? One and six. Like, that's the testament of this is a long season. It's all about the process. DJ Chark, we appreciate your time here on CSL. Get home safe tonight, buddy. Uh, thank you. Appreciate Guys. you. Appreciate it, Will. And we got three straight days of high school football, resulting in three top plays from week one. Who was the best? That's up for you to decide. That's coming up. And from the preps, back to the pros, we sit down with Carolina's QB number one. That's Bryce Young. 
He talks about his life off the field. That is ahead here on Charlotte Sports Live. While we're now past the point of catching rays this late in the summer, we can now at least start to catch the best plays from high school football action here in the Queen City. So hang 10, or rather hang tight, because the top plays from week one are rolling in like a tidal wave. Hoff certainly felt the burn in our first nominee. Check out the concentration from the Rebels' Chamarius Bomer. Off a wild deflection, he's able to recover his own bobble and then take it in for a pick six. The Rebels then would go on to beat the Huskies 24-9. Well, here we are in August, and though it's too late to celebrate Independence Day, we can now enjoy Providence Day and their star quarterback, Jaden Davis. He's our second top play nominee with this pass to Jordan's shift through double coverage. Behind their duo, the Chargers would beat Northwestern in the first ever Keep Pounding Classic 42-35. Finally, it was summertime sadness for Independence, thanks to the man behind our third top play nominee. He's Mallard Creek's Nasur Ashinafi, and he had not one but two pick sixes, including this one that went for 42 yards in the Mavs' 28-14 win. Well, you might have no say in the fact that summer is ending. You do have one deciding which of these plays is our best. Head to our X page, at CSL on QCN, to cast your vote. The polls close Thursday morning. And for those late to the party, the X page is the Twitter page. Yes. But that's, that's what everyone calls now, Twitter. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, now, you know, that's what it's legally, we're legally obligated <laughs> to call right. it that. And we had three straight days of action to kick off the 2023 season, and it certainly did not disappoint. And it would actually cap off with a historical night at Bank of America Stadium on Saturday, which is where we start our recap, the inaugural Heat Pounding Classic between Providence Day and Northwestern last night. The Charger offense with talent all across the board. We know they have guys going to all the top programs. And here earlier in the second, it's Jaden Davis, the Michigan commit, hitting Jordan Ship on the slant, and the future Tar Heel finds the end zone. That would put PD up. 14 down. to nothing. And now we're in the fourth quarter. Still a two-score game in favor of the Chargers. This time, it's Davis hitting fellow Wolverine commit Channing Goodwin in the end zone. Takes a lick and keeps on taking another six points for the back-to-back -back state champs. They now lead 42-21. to The Trojans would get a couple late scores, but Providence Day would prevail. They take down Northwestern 42-35. to Earlier on Saturday, Charlotte Christian Myers Park got the Turf Kings Invitational. Started at Memorial Stadium in the second half. Mustangs trailed by four. Wendell Thompson hitting Jakari McDonald on the screen. He's going across the field. A lot of guys missed. They wouldn't catch him. Mustangs by three after the score. Later in the fourth, after a Mustang fumble, Knights trying to complete the catch-up. Christian Vaughn going right up the gut for the touchdown. His second of the game. Charlotte Christian regaining the lead. Knights up 40-37 to with just under three to go. And they would hold on a win by that margin. All right, let's head to the next matchup of the day at Memorial. West Charlotte taking on Palisades. The Pumas backed up early in the first, and it's West Charlotte's Jaden Smith getting a mitt on the punt, and it's Elijah Littlejohn on the recovery for the score. He had a sack the play before this, so the sophomore DN putting on a show early in that one. The Lions with a seven-point lead. Then later in the quarter, the Lions back with the Rock. KD Smith rolling to his right, dropping an absolute dime to Javion Carr. Oop, excuse me. I got reservations for six, and I do not want to be late, my friend. 73 yards to the house. The Lions with a 14-point lead after the first quarter. And West Charlotte, they hold on to win this one, 28-19. The restaurant Chateau de Enzone, was that what it was there? <laughs> yes, Ahead of sir. Providence, Panthers kicking off 2023 against Ardrey Kell. 
Providence driving in the first half. Jackson Debbie finds tight end Connor Shelton. It's a big first down. Panthers could not get to the end zone, but they still got points. From 30 out of Jamison Causey, and it's good. 3-0 Providence in the second. Back come the Knights go. Gavin Adams with the fling. Mason White does the thing. Mm. Audrey Kale taking a 7-3 lead into the locker room. And Gabe, they'd end up winning this low-scoring affair, 13-10. And that might end up on You Got Moss. And we finish up our recap with Thursday Night Showdown between Independence and Mallow Creek, a big one to open the season in Charlotte kickoff night. The Patriots, they were coming out on fire like the top team in the state they are. They drive right down the field on their opening drive, and it's Justin Little capping it off with this rushing touchdown. DJ McFadden fired up after that score. But the former Patriot QB didn't like seeing this out of his young gunslinger. Little picked off by Maverick cornerback Nasor Ashanafi. This is the first pick six that we didn't show you in the top play. 65 yards the other way for the touchdown, one of two he had on Thursday night. And this one, it went back and forth, but it was the Mavericks opening the season with a big dub, 28-14 to over the Patriots. And we got one more preseason game to go for Carolina. We previewed the Lions matchup coming up next. Plus, don't miss our sit-down with QB1 Bryce Young. That's right here on your home for the Black and Blue. And ahead of the WWE's return to the Spectrum Center in about two weeks. We're talking to the company's biggest rising stars. It's that woman right there, Zoe Stark, and she gave us the inside scoop about what it's like we're working alongside a wrestling legend. Left tackle so good. Well, there's a positive sight from Friday's Panthers game. Fellow rookies Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo connect in the first quarter against the Giants. Both rookies getting limited snaps in the loss on Friday night. And if the Panthers are going to win this season, they need the first overall pick of the draft to stay healthy. Bryce Young is the toast of the town, and he has hopes of two states resting on his shoulders. Right now. Yeah, and Gabe, earlier this week, Bryce sat down one-on-one -on -one with Charlotte Sports Lab's Carla Gephardt to discuss how his first year has been going so far. All right, I know this might be a weird question for you, but how are you? I mean, we have assessed your height. We've assessed all the attributes that you have on the field. We haven't really talked about just how are you adjusting to the league? Uh, are you feeling good, feeling good after this first preseason game? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, but doing well. Um, you know, it's definitely been an adjustment um, being this level, but um, it's a great locker room, uh, great coaching staff, and, you know, just been leaning on them a lot um, just in the transition and, you know, being able to show up to work every day and, and have a great time and have fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, so I've been enjoying it. Yeah, most people get done with college and they go to an entry-level position. You're just, like, going right into the <laughs> brightest spotlight in America. Uh, do you ever think about that? And how much did your time at Alabama maybe kind of help with that transition? Because you were under a spotlight there as well. It's really all relative. Um, you know, for me, it's not a situation that I'm not, you know, unfamiliar with. Um, again, obviously, it's, it's you know, there, there's more and it's magnified. Don't get me wrong. But, again, it's kind of all relative. You know, I think being able to be in a similar um, predicament at, at Alabama and, um, you know, obviously there being, you know, bright lights and expectations there. And, you know, honestly, for me, I don't really focus on stuff I can't control and external factors and, you know, what people's expectations are, how many eyes are watching or, you know, what, what people may think 
again, that's not really something I can control. Um, so for me, the stuff I can control is, you know, showing up to work every day, trying to grow. I'm trying to have a good practice, you know, every time I step on the field, you know, uh, trying to execute when, when plays are called, things like that. Um, so because of that, it's kind of where, where my mind goes. So that's all I really think about. Right. And you got your first preseason game under your belt now. What did you learn about yourself in that game and really just more about this offense? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that it was, you know, it, it was a, you know, again, first opportunity is a new group, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts, um, you know, new system. Um, but, you know, again, being able to go out and, and be at home in front of all, our, all of our fans are, is always a great time and great experience. And, you know, I think that, you know, obviously there's stuff that we want to do better and we want to clean up and, and be better at. Um, and, you know, I believe it, it will come with time. But, you know, again, we want to have an urgency, you know, a sense of urgency to do that. Um, but, you know, just I think it was, you know, again, it was for me, it was the first opportunity of, of playing, a, you know, a full game against another opponent, which, again, you know, there's a lot of learning, um, you know, for me and for us as a team. But it was a great experience. And you took a couple of shots as well. So I got to ask you, how did your first hits in the NFL feel? Yeah, they, they, they felt, felt, <laughs> felt fine. Um, Not you know. good, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, you know, you get hit. But, um, you know, it feels again that that's part of part of my job description um you know it, it's no no secret I'm, I'm you know every every quarterback is going to get hit um it wasn't a surprise that that's always how it is and you know again that that's again the part of the game that you know you, you can't really control you know obviously you want to manage of course taking sacks and but you know again sometimes when you do have to deliver a ball and there's you, you got to get the ball in your hands and sometimes you have to get hit and again that's part of that's that's position that I, I play. Coaching staff said that you were really level-headed after the loss. Of course, they knew that you were going to be that way. But Thomas Brown kind of said something interesting. He said that sometimes you act as if you're like 45 years old. Do you feel that? Do you feel that you act that old? Is that kind of how you've <laughs> always been, or is that more something that you've gotten into maybe since you were in college? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's not new at all. Yeah. Um, I've always uh, – I wouldn't say I felt older than I am, but, you know, you just, you know – um, I've, I've always, I guess, leaned a little bit more to that pace. And again, I think that that's part of, again, part of the position, you know, you want to be, you know, at the quarterback position, you know, people are, you know, you, you, you call the play in the huddle every, you know, every play, people are looking at you every play, you control a lot. So you have to be level-headed, you have to be even killed. And how much did you learn from your family to, to be that way, right? I mean, you said your family is an integral part of just who you are as a person. You said that they're actually going to move here, already have moved here to Charlotte. So their support is, is really big for you. But, but why is that so important? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's something that's been instilled in me uh, from my parents for, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, again, just trying to control what I can control and, you know, having having faith that things are going to work out the way that they are. Um, and, you know, again, that that started with just life. And, you know, there's parallels with that in sports that I take into to, onto the football field. Yeah, so your family's important. You're level-headed. You like Kesha Cole. What else do you <laughs> want? What else do you want fans to know about you? This is your opportunity to tell My them a little bit more. Give us like your 30-second elevator speech. Like who is Bryce <laughs> Young outside of the Panthers uniform? Um, <laughs> you know, just a believer. Um, you know, I try to glorify God in all that I do. Um, try to be a, um, you know, a, a great son. Um, and you know, try to try to care about others. This is so weird. I'm trying to like, it's like, is this? You're like, doing a good job. Just appreciate going, it. Yeah. Appreciate it. But um, yeah. Um, you know, I. I don't, there's not too much, you know, there's nothing crazy that, there's no, I don't think any crazy fun fact about me that, like, would would have the world, like, surprised. I'm kind of, like, pretty, 
you don't yeah. play some musical instrument like upside nah. down or anything yeah <laughs> no I, I wish i could but my musical instrument playing days are behind me um yeah i'm so i'm sorry that's I, all right my i know if i was yeah if it was like this is like a pitch job interview i would i wouldn't be getting you already got the job so yeah. yeah like the hard part's over uh brian burns though certainly is a guy that uh brings a lot of personality to this team we saw at camp him kind of you know do the interview in in the media how how much do you appreciate that and who else on the team maybe kind of gives you a lot of flack having burns um you know have the energy and the juice that he has you know day in and day out um you know uh shacks like that a lot a lot of energy um you know i think stuff like that is you know it it really it just brings energy it, it breeds competition it pushes us to be better you know when you know when we're going back and forth you know out the huddle or um, you know when there's receivers and DBs going back and forth you know it breeds competition like to believe the best is yet to come for him and the Panthers and of course one more exhibition to go for the black and blue yet Friday back at Bank of America Stadium Carolina Detroit Panthers beat the Lions on Christmas Eve last season 37 to 23 you got kickoff coming up at 8 o'clock. Gabe, uh, last dress rehearsal, as we yep. said earlier in the show. What are you hoping to see this time around? Finally, at the end of the road, I'd like to see the starters get a few more reps. I don't know if that's going to work because normally when we had the four-game model of the preseason, normally it's that game before the last one where you see most of your starters. Now, they got a lot of reps last week, but I'd like to see them kind of up things a little bit more and possibly unpeel some layers of the playbook. I think Thomas Brown did a solid job calling the offense in the second half. Wasn't that like, interesting? Everyone, yeah. the, the narrative seemed to be like, hey, when he's calling plays in the second half, things, things are opening, to pick things up, are opening a up. So, so it's like, you know, you probably want to stick to that formula. We'll see how much of that they do in the regular season. Frank Reich is, you know, obviously he's going to do his thing. He's going to call his way. He's a head coach, end all be all. But I think I'd like to see Thomas Brown, you know, probably open things up a little bit more. Little I, bit. I know, I know it should not be the goal. I know, and it, likely it's yeah. not going to happen. But yeah. I just want to see that first team when they're out there for that one series. I just want to see. Bryce Young lead the Panthers to a touchdown and then just march off yeah. the field victorious. That's how I want to go into the regular season, knowing that he's the Panthers quarterback, knowing that, hey, it, it, it can be done. He can take you to the promised yeah. land. <laughs> I just want to see it. I, again, I yeah. know it's not a priority of the team, but as somebody that's, that's, that's watching, yeah. if I put my fan cap on for a little bit, that's what yeah. I want to see. And it hits different. Once you see, because it's like, you know, you, as a shooter, you just got to see one go in. Yeah. If you can see him go down the field, he led into a field goal, you want to see him get it in the box. I think if we do that, a lot of the fans can, you know, just chillax a little bit. Let's move on to Atlanta. You saw him do it. Let's just move on. But I want to see, I'd, I'd like to see that as well, too, coming up this week. Well, speaking of moving on, WWE Raw is returning to Charlotte. Coming up, we're speaking with superstar Zoe Stark and what fans can expect from next month's big show at the Spectrum Center. We are less than a week away, finally, from the start of college football. So which Carolina team can make the biggest splash in 2023? We debate that next on Charlotte Sports Alive. There doesn't look to be any nerves on the face of Zoe Stark. Well, after two years with NXT, our next guest has hit the big time on Raw. She is Zoe Stark, and she and the rest of the Red Brand will be in town when Raw returns to the Spectrum Center September 4th. Zoe, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Hey, I, I was I was checking out your social media, and there's a picture of you on Instagram holding uh, a belt at a WWE show when you were a kid in L.A. Do you remember uh, the exact moment where you said to yourself, this is what I want to do? Uh, it was actually at one of those shows where uh, I was sitting down and I was watching um, 
It was uh, it was John Cena, Shawn Michaels, and Hulk Hogan versus uh, Chris Jericho's team. I, I, it was one of those shows where I just remember looking down, and it, it's just one of those like gut feelings that you end up getting. It's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm born to do this. And and now here you are now. You're wrestling on Raw for a couple months. They come yeah. to you and they say, hey, so Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch are going to be in a feud, and and we want you to get involved. What was your reaction when you heard that? Uh, that kind of just like that. What you want me? The oh, dude, I'm there, and I'll do anything you want me to do. Uh, I was so ecstatic, and I could not wait. Was she one of your favorites? I know you mentioned John Cena, Hulk, and Sean. Was she one of your favorites growing up too? She was. Yeah, you know, she was one of the women that actually really started the women's Re revolution where she main abetted with a uh, lead on Monday night raw. She like did hardcore matches. She was one of the women that really showed that, you know, you could be more than just a sex symbol. You could be a badass chick and do this. Why do you, she, she retired in 2007, but she's kind of had yeah. little one-offs. Remember like she wrestled at a WrestleMania with Snooki one year. Why do you think this <laughs> yeah. one? Yeah. Why do you think this one, she wanted to come back and not just come back for like one or two shows, but be around for a while. Uh, I feel like she had more to prove, you know? It's one of those things, like, she didn't get to be a part of certain matches in her generation, but now she has the ability to do it all. So I think she wanted to show that she hasn't lost it and she's able to hang with the best of the best and that she really is the greatest of all time. I know a lot can happen in, in WWE between now and September 4th, but assuming that, that you and Trish and Becky, you, you still got this, this animosity, you and Trish versus Becky, what might you have in store for Becky September 4th, when Raw is in Charlotte? Uh, man, we just got to shut her up once and for all, so <laughs> we'll do whatever we have to do if we can't get her done after this cage match. But I can tell you, Trish is ready to be done with uh, Becky Lynch and just wipe her hands clean from it. Well, and I don't mean to end this on a bad note, but and you're a student of the game yourself. You know that in wrestling, friendships, they don't normally last forever. I'm, j I'm just saying here, and I'm not trying to, you know, stir the pot here a little bit. And I, I saw a little it tension like there. You are trying to stir the pot. There was no tension. What tension? Well, what but tension? Assuming, assuming that you guys would wrestle each other September 4th, who'd win you versus Trish? Just, just curious. Yeah, I guess you would have to actually watch and find out. Because <laughs> she is one of the greatest of all time. So, you know, look, there's no tension between us. Don't, don't try and start things. Okay, okay. Hey, I appreciate your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys when you come to the Spectrum Center on September 4th. Thank you. Always oh, going to have some WWE flavor on CSL, and yesterday it was the final Saturday of the year without college football. Everybody rejoice. Week zero begins in six days and will feature just two ranked teams, number 13 Notre Dame and number six Southern Cal. Only two teams from the Carolinas made the initial AP Top 25. It's Clemson and UNC, the two teams that played in the ACC title last year. Mike, which Carolina team outside of the top 25 could be the biggest surprise this season? You know, I, I, Duke was the big surprise last okay. season. I mean, they had uh, nine wins, which yep. was one less win than they had the previous three seasons combined. Yep. Mike Elko did a terrific job. They got 17 returning starters this year, eight on defense. Now, I know yeah. that teams are going to be looking at them. No, they're not going to catch anybody by surprise right. this year. And I know their schedule is a little bit harder, but... I believe in Elko. I, I, I think that at the end of the season, if they have a season like last year, yeah. they could be there in the top 25. I'm going with another team in that region. Give me NC State. They got Brennan Armstrong, transfer from Virginia. This guy had 4,000 yards and 31 touchdowns in 2021. So I think 
He's going to come in and give them that spark that they needed. Obviously, last year, Devin O'Leary going down. They had the musical chairs at the quarterback position. I think Dave Derwin is going to rally the troops, get these guys going. And they have a pretty difficult schedule, but NC State, I think Brennan Armstrong is going to bring a spark to that team. I like them to possibly make some noise this year. I think I would agree with that. So I got Good those pick. two teams. And, you know, don't sleep on South Carolina. Yeah. I know the SEC, they got a much tougher schedule. What do you think about Wake? Wake, no, no more Sam Hartman. That's why yeah, I think Notre. Yeah. That's why I think Notre Dame is going to be solid. I, this I year do have a lot of faith though in Dave Clawson. I think yeah. that's a solid coach. I think he's a guy that, from when I've talked to people close to that program, he is yeah. a dedicated Demon Deacon guy. He is putting everything he has into making that a powerhouse program in the ACC. All I know is, is the best time of the year. Obviously, we got the Duke's Mayo Classic North in South Carolina, September second. Oh. I cannot wait. But let's get to some baseball real quick. The Braves, their five-game winning streak comes to an end in dramatic ninth-inning fashion. And we'll show you how it went down coming up next. And we got quick six also on the way here on CSL. We debate if the Panthers will beat the Lions in the final preseason game or go to 0-3 in exhibition games this year. All right, back on CSL where the Braves are at home looking for the three-game sweep on the Giants. This one went down to the wire. Eighth inning, Atlanta was down a run. Ronald Acuna capitalizing off the San Fran mistake off the era on the throw to third. He comes in to tie it. Braves now with the momentum as a sixth straight win within striking distance. But then in the ninth, their fortunes changed again. Kirby Yates low to the bases. Then mm -mm -mm, walked in the go-ahead run to put San Fran back up 4-3. Now, Atlanta did have one last chance at the plate, but Camilo Duvall was not messing around, getting the Braves to go down one, two, three in the bottom of the ninth. Atlanta falls 4-3. This, though, just their second loss in 10 games. Well, it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Quick Six Time. Grace is back with us, and we got our good friend meteorologist Andrew Brightman here as well. Guys, y'all ready? Ready to ready. dunk on you again, Gabe. That will not happen, and it hasn't happened yet. But let's get into it. Two minutes on the clock. Grace, you're up first. Will the Panthers beat the Lions this Friday? I want to say yes, but I'm going to go with no. The Panthers just lost to the Giants. Detroit beat the Giants. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that the Panthers are just focused on the little things and fine-tuning and not winning here in the preseason. So no faith in the black and blue. But we know that it's not all about the wins and losses this time of year. Andrew, how long should Panther starters play this Friday? Gabe, I really think we should go full dress rehearsal. Let all the starters play the first half of the game here. Bryce Young's only played five series. Let's double that up to ten at least. Oh, man. I like to get a little bit more burned, but yeah, you don't want that either. All right, Mike. Oh Obviously, gosh. we're through two games. Which Panthers position group has impressed you the most? through these first couple preseason games. None! <laughs> oh, really, really, that we were talking about this behind the scenes is just trying to conjure up none. none. That's my answer, none. Not showing anybody no No. Of? All right. Grace, you're back up. What is the most unbreakable single season record in all of sports? Okay, so you know I'm the baseball fanatic <laughs> around here, and I gotta say, it's gotta be Barry Bonds' 120 intentional walks in a season, but to Go with a Michael Set basketball reference. I think Will Chamberlain's 50-point average in one season is going to be pretty hard to beat too. Yeah, I don't think we see anybody else break that. No matter what team you play on, that's that's a lot of points. All right, Andrew, is Messi the greatest international athlete to play in an American sports league? Gabe, I'm going to say it's close, but I'm going to go back about 22 years to when Ichiro came to Major League Baseball. It basically broke the idea of American baseball supremacy, showing that basically the best baseball player in the world had been playing in Japan. You can draw a straight line from him to show what Shohei Otani is doing right now. I was just about to mention that. All right, Mike, last one for you. You know about the Jordan Challenge in 2K. Where would you play where you can play any great moment from his career? What non-Jordan sports moment would you like to reenact if you could? I mean, 
Ali knocking out Sonny Liston would be fun to have a boxing game like that. Also, you know, Babe Ruth's calling his shot. That would be exciting. Or any great Tiger Woods moment there when he was at the top of this game. All those would be just hey, fun to replay. We might have to get you in the gloves a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Always good to have Mr. Brightman joining us for Quick 6. And in case you weren't up at dawn this morning to watch the Women's World Cup Final, which is right here on Fox Charlotte, we got an exciting one between Spain and England. Spain scored in the 29th minute, and that would be the only goal of the game as they go on to win the World Cup. See what else is QC crown worthy coming up next. Back here on CSL to send you guys to bed with our QC crowns. Mine is going out to West Charlotte defensive back DeQuinder Williams. Q making a huge play for the Lions on Saturday with this interception in the first quarter against Palisades in the Turf Kings. Invitation to West Charlotte. They go on to beat the Pumas 28-19 to start the season 1-0. But he's getting the crown because following the dub, Williams announced his commitment to stay right here in the Queen City and suit up for Biff Pogey and the Niners. A huge congrats to him. That is a big get for Charlotte, the 15th commit in their class of 2024. Fifth Poji, not doing it with the transfer portal, hey. doing it with the local portal. Homegrown, there you go, that's how you do it. My crown is going out to Patriots cornerback yeah. uh, Isaiah Bolden. We have some positive news on his condition this evening. Earlier today, the New England rookie released from a local Green Bay hospital. On top of that, he was able to fly back with his teammates. During the fourth quarter of the exhibition with the Packers, Bolden immediately fell limp after taking a blow to his upper body. Though he would regain movement in his extremities, the NFL still called off the game with just over 10 minutes to play. So he's doing a lot better. Yeah, it's always good to see him doing better. For Mike, I'm Gabe. We'll do it again tomorrow night. Good night, y'all.